name on the front is a hell of a lot more important than the one in the back. Hello, everybody. You are listening to the Good Day for a Movie podcast. We are brought to you by GD4GD. So head on over to GD4GD.com and buy some dope here because $10 of every sale gets donated to their nonprofit partner, which is currently No Barriers. No Barriers is an organization based on hope, optimism, and resiliency for the future. Their framework teaches step-by-step how to break through your own challenges and live a driven, purposeful life. Despite the barriers, both big and small, that each of us face, we can learn how to push past them, reconnect with our purpose, and unleash the best in ourselves and others. I'm Jacob, and alongside me, as always, Tate. What's up? And our anonymous third co-host just walked away as soon as we were about to <laughs> introduce him. <laughs> he was like, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then immediately, oh once you're introducing me, I watch him walk away from the Zoom. We are going to power through it um, and talk without him. He's back. Okay. So that's, that's good. Hello. I'm, I'm so glad that you walked away as soon as I introduced you. Oh, and, and now we can't hear you. Off. If you can't tell, we're on Zoom. I muted my mic. <laughs> my dog was growling and I didn't know what was going on. So I you muted your mic it. and walked away from the Zoom immediately when we were introducing. Uh-huh. Well, Jacob messed up like 10 times. So I, was I just did. But the listeners won't hear that. So thank you very much. Um, so before we get into your pick i have a little personal news by personal i mean movie personal news are you pregnant i I am pregnant (laughs) i have now seen every single fast and furious movie except for f9 i'm so sorry yeah you posted i I I saw that you've been watching all of them that's insane every single one it was is there a clear runner favorite yes the newest one hobbs and shaw is the best really? with Statham and The Rock. It's a it's supposed to be kind of like a standalone thing that I think they're going to spin out to be its own. To make I don't know more. If universe or I, yeah probably, but for the most part, they were awful. Um, Tokyo Drift was my least favorite. I think I gave it like a fifty. Hmm. Um, the first Fast and Furious, I think I gave it like a sixty-five, and then. The other ones, Too Fast, Too Furious, Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious 6, I gave in the mid-70s to low 70s. And then, and fast... then what'd, you, what'd you give Hobbs? So Fast 5, I gave a 79. Furious 7, I gave an 80. Oh my God, the, all these names. I, there's the most ridiculous it's names so in ridiculous. the world. Yeah, it's the, the most ridiculous franchise in the world. The eighth one, The Fate of the Furious, I gave an 82. <laughs> Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. I gave an eighty-five. So they are kind of climbing. Yes, in your, in more your or less. Book. Yeah. Um, I don't think I'm. I don't think I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever fully watched one of those. I hadn't either. As I watched, it, I was like, okay, I've seen a couple scenes here and there. Yeah. But and I, I hate to speak ill of the dead, but my God, Paul Walker was not a good actor. No. 
Oh my god. The first good looking he, dude though. He got right? better, yes. He got better, but the first three movies that he was in, awful. And just awful acting all around from everybody, bad writing, bad dialogue. <clears throat> yeah. But once once they started moving on, they actually kind of they got more ridiculous and taking down planes with sports cars and stuff like that. And I enjoyed that a lot more than just fast cars racing each other and forget about a cut and stupid <laughs> stuff like that. So they definitely got better because they got worse, if that makes any sense. But anyways. And because I, they are coming out with a new one this year? Yesterday. They came oh, out yes. on the 24th of June. I know this episode is being released in July, but yeah, it just came out. So wow. I'll probably go see that tomorrow in the theater. Yeah, I am not picking that movie. <laughs> I was going to say, thank God that you're probably not going to pick a rock movie because I think The Rock is just the worst. So I, I'm surprised. The that Rock Hobbs, is the worst. Yeah. I'm surprised that Hobbs was your favorite out of all of them. But, you know, Jacob likes Boom Boom. Of them, so I'll trust you. Which doesn't surprise me that you liked Fast Furious 7 because that's the one that I saw. And the moment I was like, I hate, I hate this movie more than I hate anything was when they drove the car from one skyscraper to the other. I think oh, yeah, in Abu movie. Dhabi. That was so <laughs> stupid. It was so stupid. I couldn't believe. I have believe. seen that scene. That was, the, that was probably the dumbest scene, one of the dumbest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. I was like, this franchise is such shit. But All right, anyway. so in other personal news, this is going to be a Zoom podcast for the most part moving forward because we are now in three different states from each other. We talked Didn't about we that in the guest episode. I think we talked about that With already. Elspeth. Oh, I was just, I, I don't know if we mentioned that it was going to be for sure a thing moving forward. Oh, well, it is. Yeah. Deal so deal with it, listeners. But hopefully and, the audio quality is good. And well, I get personally, in my, in my, I've redecorated my house. <laughs> That's so, your p- personal news? Yeah. <laughs> if, we all, if we all get out of personal news, that's mine. Say it's your volume. <laughs> yeah. Is it high? So, <laughs> so loud. When you start sentences, it's... Does, do the mics, do those mics drums. have a volume on What about now? They do. Yeah, they, what about now? Yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I won't know until you talk a lot. Still too loud? No, that's good. Okay. Did you have it on max? I did. <laughs> we could tell. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, but that's why I'll we could see pick what up I can the do baseball in the edits. diamond okay. from that. Every episode we did before this, when we were in person, Jacob would have my volume at max uh, and he would say, I can't turn you're the volume. You're still a bit up. loud. What about now? That's better. That's perfect. Yeah. I won't know until you talk a lot, but yes, probably good. Jeez. That's probably. <laughs> That's probably the loudest I'll ever sound to our listeners ever for their <laughs> ever. They history. really got how your voice sounds. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, let's let's get on to this movie, Sage. It is your pick. I know it's been so long. No, it hasn't. Ne- it's been three episodes, like it I, always is. I never get to pick movies, and it's very frustrating. You're the worst. <laughs> All right, so this movie I was going to pick for the last three picks, but I ended up picking a different movie every time. So, so this now is I just like the, the unwanted child. Well, I'm going to pick it, and then like the day before, I'm like, ooh, Chinatown, I should pick that instead. Or the day before, ooh, Paprika, I should pick that instead. So it's just been a lot of that. But this is 
a pretty highly acclaimed movie. It is up debated as one of the best sci-fi movies of all time. Oh God, we got the three hour baby. No, oh, not, not Kubrick. Uh, Children of Men. Hmm. I've heard of that. It has Clive Owen, Julian Moore, Michael Caine. What about Chitwell Atafor? Yeah, I saw the name. I, I know the face, but <laughs> I saw awesome. the name and I couldn't read that name. <laughs> and how about the director? Who's the director? Alfonso Cuaron. No idea who that is. It's got Michael Caine. He was born Batman. in Mexico City, but um, he did Gravity, Roma. Oh. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Um, surprise, surprise. It is not streaming. Yep, classic. Well, it's on Peacock. Is it? It is on Peacock. I don't have that. I don't either. In 2027, a- in a chaotic world in which women have become somehow infertile, a former activist agrees to help transport a miraculously pregnant woman to a sanctuary at sea. Whoa, kind of cool. Yeah, it's got a crazy premise. All right, so kind of like a... I mean, that immediately made me think of like the like 100, a, but yeah, like, like a sci-fi dystopia, everything's falling apart, apocalyptic. Crazy. How have I never even seen this? I didn't even know what it's about. I've just heard of Children of Men and that's not what I would have guessed. I would have guessed like, I thought it was going to be like a drama, real like historical fiction. Yeah. So I've it's definitely. Only an, it's only an hour and 49 minutes. Wow. I love that. No, no, anything for wanting to pick this? Any other reasons or just because you saw it? Seems like I'm pretty much going to be the sci-fi guy between the three of us. So I was like, huh, what's the best sci-fi ever? And I just saw a list and I was like, I've seen many of these, but I haven't seen some. So this is one of the few I haven't seen. Cool. I think it sounds pretty good. I'm pretty excited for it, actually. And I like Clive Owen. You know, this is like a scary, scary movie, right? Scary movie. Yeah. It's like a horror. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. Just kidding. No, it's not. I'm just kidding. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's just a sci-fi thriller. Could you hear the fear in his voice, listeners? Because yeah. I could. Yeah. All right. Well, let's watch this thing. Yep. Yeah. All right. We'll see you on the other side. Is that what I say? Yeah. Yeah, it was normal. <laughs> <laughs> we got to keep that in. <laughs> just have like as long a pause yeah, as that actually just was before the trailer. I can't really remember when I last had any hope. And I certainly can't remember when anyone else did either. Because really, since women stopped being able to have babies, what's left to hope for? The world was stunned today by the death of Diego Ricardo, the youngest person on the planet. The youngest person on Earth was 18 years, 4 months, 20 days, 16 hours and 8 minutes old. The ultimate mystery, why are women infertile? Some say it's genetic experiments, pollution. Why do you think we can't make babies anymore? Doesn't matter. It's all over in 50 years. It's too late. Move along! Hello, Theo. How have you been? I'm sorry about the theatrics. Police have been a pain lately. I haven't seen you for nearly 20 years. I need your help. 
Not for me, a girl. Need to get her to the coast, past security checkpoints. It's hard for me to look at you. He had your eyes. So why did you come to me? I trust you. Show him. Now you know what's at stake. We have to meet the boat. What is this boat? The human project of Center Boat. The human project? It's the greatest minds in the world working for a new society. Your baby is the miracle the whole world has been waiting for. We will find a way to get you to the human project, I promise you. We're almost there, Keith. We're almost there. We are just six years away. We better start having babies. <laughs> we are going to be out of humans very quickly. It's, it a was, good, it's a good thing that 65% of the U.S. population didn't just get a vaccine that yes. is the rumor yeah. of sterility. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, Pretty so that's where I haven't gotten vaxxed up yet. So, um, uh, wait, by the way, I also got my first vax. I'm supposed to get my second one soon. But I was, I was just this. I'm glad that you brought this up right off the bat because I was talking to a girl the other day and she was talking about how the vaccine has been kind of, I guess, I don't, it's, it's not like anything like an actual study that's saying that this is confirmed or not. But apparently, females are saying, some females are saying that it's kind of like this vaccine has been messing with their um, periods or just messing with their body Cycle. and their cycles. And so, when I watched this movie, I was just like, oh my God. Cause he was like, there is a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since the pandemic, <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. There this was some real life, wicked, wicked, weird, <laughs> wicked, weird premonition vibes happening in this movie. Yeah. They were 15 years too soon, but freaking crazy. Yeah. When that, when they were like, then there was the flu pandemic and then everyone took their vaccines and then there was an unknown steril uh, sterility problem across the United States or, or across the world. I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. and they said in 2008, there was a flu epidemic is what they said. Yeah. And I think in, it was in like 2010 or maybe 11 yeah. that the swine was flu a, went through. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a flu, flu epidemic. All that shit. Yeah. I guess if you're going to make um, a movie that's like post-apocalyptic, it's not a bad idea to just say a flu came through and a pandemic or epidemic happened. Cause it's like, yeah, that happens every now and then. Well, one of the funniest things that kind of goes to this pandemic was that a lot of people knew that pandemics were like a once in a hundred years kind of thing. And the last time we'd had a serious pandemic, like to this degree was the Spanish flu. Mm -hmm. And that was over a hundred years ago. And so I bet there's reason, like good reason to believe that a pandemic would have happened from when the time this movie came out to now. And here we are. Um, definitely not sci-fi. Yeah. I don't know about sci-fi. I bet they only label it as sci-fi because it's dystopian. Yeah. I yeah. think 
but sci-fi I guess gives me a little bit of a different yeah vibe um also i kind of wish after which i think we'll we'll get into like we're, got, we're already kind of past initial thoughts but um i also do wish that they didn't tell you in the description of the movie that she was pregnant and that's the reason why they needed to get her to think because i think it would have been kind of fun to be like because they don't say it in the movie until she drops her dress and yeah, she reveals it i think it would have been really cool if you know as much as the main character guy what was his name Ashton, Theo, Theo, yeah, <laughs> Ashton. What the I don't hell? Know. But I immediately. I don't know if anyone in that movie was named Ashton. Nobody was. There was know. some ash flying around, and they were in a town. We'll go with that. Um, but I think it would have been really cool to not know why she was so important and why she needed like these papers to get to the boat until you find out that she's pregnant. Because I think that would have been more of like a whoa, holy shit, someone's pregnant. But like you know, the entire time what like why she's important but mm-hmm. everyone else doesn't so it's like i don't know that kind of felt yeah. weird that they i absolutely I, I, agree i do remember the trailer though and the trailer showed that as well the trailer um, tells you from, yep shows <sighs> that she's pregnant um and i so I, I don't know if that's why i knew but i i knew going into this movie that she was pregnant and that was well, when I, I read it at the very beginning and it said in the description it's just like the reason why she needs to get to the, like they needed to take this pregnant woman. no i mean even before that one before the that name of the movie i was like oh i know like it's a pregnant gal yeah so i kind of wish they would have kept that hidden um yeah but i mean it's fine i guess that they didn't and also going off of that really weird way to reveal that she's pregnant <laughs> it was super random and awkward and i feel like the timing of it was just strange i mean like she was she was like i want to talk to him and he just goes in the barn and starts talking to her. And she just like mid sentence or talking about something else just drops. And he's just like, oh, my God, she's pregnant. So that felt a little weird. I don't know. I kind of just wish we didn't know for a while. Yeah, I, I, I didn't find it that weird. I don't know if it's because I knew that she was pregnant. And so I knew that that is what the reveal was. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't have a problem with that. Yeah, yeah that's stuck I in my thought, mind. I thought it was a form of symbolism that because she was going on that monologue of how they were treating cows and he kind of makes that comment and he's like, it's all about, or, oh, we need to stop talking about. Yeah. He's cows. like, did you ask me in here to talk about cows and titties? Yeah. But there was like this whole, and she symbolism. was like, speaking of titties. <laughs> yeah. There was like how, yeah, there was this weird symbolism that I saw between the way she thought she was going to be seen to way the cows were being farmed almost. And I think that mm. she kind of knew that there was something that was at stake was if they found out that for some reason she was capable of having babies, maybe she would be treated like a cow, uh, like cattle. But that was, that was the only, that was the only symbolism I saw. Or that yeah, was the well, only I, reason I think it was I just that introduction. I think it was just cutting right to the point because if she was just like, I'm pregnant, he'd have been like, no, you're not. And then she'd have, undressed yeah yeah that would have been weirder it just felt weird because she didn't even say like that beforehand she just was like mid-sentence just showed him that he was she's pregnant have you heard of the old saying ripping the band-aid off yeah Yeah, i guess that's the (laughs) she really just ripped the band-aid off it's it's a combination of that and the whole like biblical like doubting tom you have to see see to believe 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm not like not not the fact that she showed him. Like I I'm not I'm fine with that. It just felt like random as far as like I think the scene was going. Your problem was that it's, it was the way they shot it because they like did a zoom in on the boobs, and then <laughs> the next shot was just from her, her from behind, so you still didn't see the baby. No, and well, like you could even see like when they turn around. It like showed it from behind and she like even, even turns her stomach a little bit to show him like she turns her body just to show him that she's like, yeah, this is like a bump. Um, but no, it's just my my problem with the whole it was just the way that like I mean, they weren't even talking about like why she's important, what they need to do, why she cares about him. They, like I feel like they didn't even lead up to why they would reveal that. It just feels like like if she's if she did that right then, why did she do it just earlier in the movie or why did she do it like why did she do it right then why did she do it later i don't because, know it just felt because she like it had she, no ground she didn't need to trust him because she had juliet or julianne what was her so name? Once, julianne julianne yeah, yeah. Uh, she it's had the same julianne as her then, same as her actual name right <laughs> yes yes yeah good call good call yeah. Easy i do remember that one um spelled so, differently but there's an extra re- n and e my response to your problem, Tate, is one of my favorite parts of this movie, which I think they did really well, was the aspect that it had been 18 plus years that anyone had seen a baby. So I think that everyone forgot what it was like to see or hear or the idea of a baby. So and she was like, of, words don't need it. I just need to show him. I mean, when you... I think that was one of the most impressive parts was like people could look at her with the bump and they just, the thought of her being pregnant wouldn't cross their mind because it just didn't exist for 18 years. So I think that her revealing it that way was like pretty much the only way to say I'm pregnant. And he's like, Holy shit. Yeah, obviously you are like if you had said you were pregnant or if they had said you were pregnant, I would, I would not. She just had like a tight shirt on like a yeah. loosely tight shirt on, not just like a, a blanket over her. It'd yeah. have been like, uh, she's just a fatty. Yeah. I got no problem with how they did it. It was just the timing of it felt weird, but anywho, yeah. um, moving on to different things, I guess just basically overall in the film, I liked it. I think I was pretty, pretty big fan of it. Um, I thought it was, I was really impressed a by the um, scenes, like the, just the, the locations that they're doing the shoots, the, amount of detail in like the buildings, the people in the background, like the refugees, like the last 30 minutes, all of that, I was very impressed with. Um, I guess that's most of like the things that I'm thinking about right now, because other than that, it was just normal big city shots and um, in the woods. But that last 30 minutes I thought was really well done. Um, I like the characters. I kind of like the plots. I felt like it felt a little Game of Thrones style, how they were just knocking people off. Um, and I like that just because it felt, very real. I like the camera work. That's another thing that I, I felt like the, it was almost very first person. Um, and a lot of those scenes and like the cameras, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I made a note of this, like the camera almost seemed shaky during a lot of the scenes. Like it didn't, it wasn't like perfectly steady and like perfectly panning with where they were going. It always felt like somebody was <laughs> just holding it in their bare hands, just trying to do a good job of keeping it kind of steady. But I think it added to the, the thrill of it. I thought the camera work was the most brilliant part of the movie. I thought yeah, the camera well, that, work was insane. Um, that's one thing that I knew about this movie. The, the other thing that I knew about this movie going in is that it's known for one of the best one shots in kind of uh, film history. 
<clears throat> one shots like how 1917 was filmed all in one yeah. consecutive shot. Yep. It's yep. the scene where um, the, the flaming car comes in. Uh, no, no. It's the car scene, the car uh, where they're jacking the nope. car. Nope, wow. nope, nope. I, I mean, that's that one scene. too. But Those are the two that the stand out. When, when they're in the refugee city and they go to get the boat, as soon as they walk at the door, the camera doesn't go off of them or like it, there's no cuts until everybody notices, notices the baby in the building. Wait, wait, wait. Say that one more time. So when they're going to the boat with that one At the one very, guy, very end. At the end, yeah. And with the girl when, Matcha when, or whatever? Yes, and, and the guy. The guy is yeah. leading them to the boat. Um, from when, when they leave the building until everybody notices the baby, oh, there's yeah, no yep. cuts. There, there's, yeah. I shouldn't say there's no cuts. There's, they filmed it in multiple different takes it that looks like it's take. yeah they make it look yeah, like a one take like a, a way you can tell is like whenever they like whether it be like they pan by like a wall and all you see is wall that's what that's one place where they cut that type of stuff yeah but yeah it was, it was very it, well done i think when you're talking when they follow theo when he's trying to get key back and then to the point yep, where yep. Yeah. Well, even and earlier even than that, I think that, he's way yeah. saying that. Like he said, yeah. when they got like Sid comes in, yeah, and and oh, he wow. like yeah. kills Sid. Well, like, no, no, even no. all of it's, that, I think. No, 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 no. It's they get the foreign lady brings her to the building with the old guy that looked through the window and saw the baby. It's after that scene once they leave that building. Oh, I thought you were saying from when like he yeah. kills Sid and then like the the people come and catch him and then wheel no, her off in the wheelchair. Crazy. And when then, the but that all kind of felt like yeah. it was all one scene too because they kill the guy that was going to help them and then the other army comes in and starts having that gun battle and then it follows him and Macha girl over to the side of the building and then he scrambles his way. That all was one scene that I'm thinking about it because he slowly makes his way into the building to get Key back and then all well, the so, way back so out. Th- there's a difference between one scene and one no shot. Cuts. Yeah. Like I, like a cut is like where it like shows me and then Tate's doing something over here and it like cuts to you instead of the camera flipping yeah. to you. No, there yeah, can be I thought that that scenes in the cut. Yeah, yeah, I I thought that that was all a one take too. Anywho, the, all the one takes though were really well done, and this is going to stem off to another point that I have, um, which is kind of like the roller coaster that they give you as far as emotion goes. Um, but I was, I thought you were going to reference the scene where the flaming car rolls out from the Hills and like blocks the road. And then they kind of get ambushed because that all felt really cool. Like the motorcycle that was chasing him down and all the people. Um, but I like how right before that, it felt like everything was calm and it felt like everything was okay. Like everything was going smooth, going good. They were playing with that, like, or that ping pong game and all joshing with each other. And then all of a sudden, I'd, it was like... I'd suck a ping pong ball out of Juliana Moore's mouth. <laughs> weird. No, not weird. <laughs> True. You, you couldn't catch it, though. That looked really hard. That looked really hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do like how that scene was like... It, I mean, it's kind of like they take you through these roller coasters of like chaos, calm, chaos, calm. But like they just... It's, it's not like they ease right into like calm or ease right into the next chaos it's just kind of like the, it, the switch flips yeah i said that right i thought i said yeah. that backwards 
um, really quickly and it gets intense immediately again. I thought that was one of the better scenes too. I thought it was going to, and it really showed you the, the, the movie wasn't going to hold back any punches when they killed Julianne. Yeah. It was, that was like, I mean, the first explosion scene when he, after he orders coffee is kind of the first sucker punch, but it's an intro scene. So you could say that that's just a way to introduce you to the movie. But when that fire car scene and Julianne dies and she's bleeding everywhere and then they escape, that's when it's like, okay, this is the way this movie's going to be. And it was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it really was like, it got your attention quick with, I mean, even that first scene before the bomb goes off, when you're just listening to the newscast and it's talking about like the youngest person in the world just died. Also very crazy that they're like, they track the youngest person in the world. Um, and that immediately caught my attention. I was just like, Oh man, this is wild. And then, and then after that, the bomb goes off and I was like, okay, I'm fucking into this movie. Let's go. Yeah, it was, that was, that was a very intense opening scene. Yeah. But yeah, they do that a lot. Um, and bring you right back into Definitely, the thick yeah. of all the and action. The whole thing with Jasper, Michael Caine's character, that was another, didn't hold back any punches. I thought they weren't, I thought he was going to kill himself and they weren't going to show anything. I thought they were going to show him and his wife committing suicide before those people showed up. And then you wouldn't ever, you just know what happened. You'd be like, okay, they committed suicide. They're gone. Like they're done. We're back on to whatever his name is. Yeah and key but when they showed that i was like damn yeah well and when they said there's a dead woman and a dog a dead dog in the house i was like oh my god that's insane like talk talk about like i don't i feel like i don't not much of a crier during movies but that was sad when he threw on that song and it was talking about like your last goodbye and he was like kissing his wife or whatever and i was that was a tearjerker Yep. He was, he was Michael Caine maybe was my a, favorite character. Michael Caine was very, very, very good in this movie. I mean, he is probably an underrated actor in general. I would mostly because he plays side characters, but he, he's pretty incredible. He did a great job in this movie. I like how I he was a weed hippie. Michael, yeah. Is that I what never you expected say? Michael. No, I never expected Michael Caine to be playing air guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this was the most uh, hippie, down-to-earth version of Michael Caine I've seen in a while. I don't know if I've seen him this. I've always seen him as a clean-cut, in-a-suit kind of guy. Yeah. The key word is tenant. And I like the way that he went out. He was like, pull my finger. And they shot his finger. And he was like, fuck you. (laughs) And then he was just like, where'd they go? And he was like, pull my finger. (laughs) With his other finger. Yeah. Wow, that was fun. Um, the only real problem I have with this movie is why the fuck was Clive Owens' character wearing flip-flops? Because they're the only Owens. shoes that fit. Oh, they... Yeah, oh. he was going through all the shoes and none of them were fitting and the only shoes that fit were flip-flops. Okay, I was so, so confused. The main character, our, Theo. Yeah, yeah, okay. Theo. Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, he was I, like, I trying all, all the shoes like, and like, push him to the side. Mm-hmm. So that's why that guy brought him a new pair of shoes at the end before they made that sprint. And he was still hobbling a lot. Yeah, yeah which they did well ankle. with. 
they held that no he yeah. stepped on like a piece of metal or glass yeah he cut his, and he cut lost his foot. the flip-flop yeah yeah they did a great job with the detail on that how he hobbled through that whole one cut scene their detail was really good it was remarkable like that camera work might debatably be the like one of the best camera work i think i've seen in a movie ever well and i i love how you kind of just watch these characters come in and out of the the life that you follow which is like key and theo um because it's like julian moore character she's like she gets whacked right off the bat um and then after that you kind of see them want to ditch the community that they're staying in so that whole car chase scene you kind of like see them get left in the dust and then the next girl that gets left is the Mirian girl um and she get you like watch her get pulled off the bus and then you get to as they're leaving you watch her out the window kind of how she's initially treated and then it's like the everyone from there like Sid Mach the I keep on wanting to say Macha I don't know what her name was but the woman with the dog the foreign woman anywho I yeah the camera work I'm I feel like that's my favorite thing so far for sure yeah well so my Going, one thing that you mentioned earlier was the level of detail in this movie. It was brilliant. Like my favorite scene in the whole movie was um, when Theo was getting Key and Miriam away from the, at that like little town or that little farm when he like, when they're crouched under the windows and walking along the cars and he reaches into one car and takes the keys out, goes into the next car and takes like the ignition out or whatever, something. Yep. And then he just, and they're like, stop when uh, there's someone close by. And then he gets into the car and he knows that he like, or he figures out that he has to jump. That whole scene I thought was brilliant because of that level of detail. But then going Marichka. to Reachka. 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 Yeah, oh, the... oh, that's her name. <laughs> I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> But then what what Tate said when Miriam gets pulled off the bus and they're leaving, he meant like they kind of go through the stages of what Miriam's about to go through. And that was like tough to see, but it was really well done how they paid attention to that detail was necessary. And they give like the viewer just like little snippets of what's like, so you know what's going to happen to her Mm -hmm. without after actually having to like watch it and follow her. You just know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Very, very well done. Um, I think another thing that I really liked about this film overall was the, um, I guess just like the philosophical side to it. Um, and some of the, whether it was discussions that they had like conversations or just the overarching kind of like, how do you, I mean, it reminded me a lot of the show, the leftovers where half of the population disappears into thin air and it's kind of all about it's like a psychology of how these people react to something that's completely out of their control um so it felt very much like that in this movie where they don't know why i mean they have their guess as to why women's fertility was like gone but um they have no idea why and it was all about coping with it and like i remember there's one early on where he said or he was talking to somebody and he said well, why? Oh, he's talking to his brother, who was the artist. He was just like, why do you continue to do all of this knowing that 50 years from now or whatever, he's just like, nobody's going to be around to even look at it or see it. 
Um, so that was kind of like your hope and, um, why are you, why are you even continuing to live kind of a idea knowing that humanity is going to cease to exist after this generation? Um, so I thought that like all that thought behind it is yeah. fun to think about. Um, and then also the conversation that comes to mind is when it was between his dad, Jasper and Miriam or whatever, um, where they were talking about his child that died and how it was by chance that something happened and he died. And she was just like, Oh, well, everything happens for a reason. He was just like, ah, oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Anyway, all of those kind of like, um, conversations just, I feel like make you think about life yeah. a little bit, which is cool. And he said, uh, chance took Theo's faith and there was, uh, a big element of not just Theo's, but everyone's faith. Cause I mean, it's, different for, I know the leftovers I watched the first season and it's different from the leftovers because the leftovers you could still have babies and you're just dealing with trauma but infertility across the world that means that that little punk ass Argentinian could potentially be the last person to live on earth like that's a pretty mind-boggling I think the premise well, this like quote-unquote sci-fi premise of this movie was pretty unique and pretty cool yeah. Yeah. Did you see one of the graffiti messages when he was on for when he first was on the train? It said, "Last one alive, please bury the dead." I was like, "Holy shit, that's." Oh, dark. I did not see that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Dark. It's, really. Dark. I mean, Very it's a, dark. It's a crazy thought to think about. Like, yeah. What if right now we couldn't have any more babies? Like, that's just crazy. Like, it, well, it's like it, I mean, I think there are other movies where it's kind of like, oh, the world's ending right now. But this isn't like that. If this is like the world's ending in like when we die off, but we can continue to live and do whatever we want for the rest of our lives. And so with that, what do you choose to do? Yeah, it's not like a zombie apocalypse where there's a threat of eradicating us. It's like our eradication is it's set just time in time. Like, yeah, we just have to wait like that's. Yeah. Like, that's why would you work? It's a like, different psychological fuck with your head like that like i was thinking about it during the movie i was just like when he was like hey boss can i head home on this kind of shook me up i was sitting there i was just like why the fuck i guess like i mean i guess you still have to like try and live and stuff like that but it'd be so hard i feel like to be like what's the point of all of this and that's why the question to his brother um really made me think about it because it was just like what would be the point of all of this if like knowing that nothing none of it's going to matter like ever like there's not going to be any life here in a hundred years anyways cousin. cousin oh i keep saying brother I, yeah i can't remember i thought I it was, it was brother cousin. but yeah i think it was cousin we'll go with it yeah it was something familial i don't remember what it was that dude's in succession and yellowstone his son is um what's his man's from chuck bass from gossip girl yeah the one that was all weird with his hands I recognized him never seen gossip girl <laughs> Very weird that he was just in it. <laughs> Tate made me watch a few episodes and I hated every second of my life during it. But anywho, I thought that the premise, going back to that, was really unique and cool. Yeah, I, th I thought it was brilliant. Um, it's I'm based off a to... book. Did you hear that? Or did no, you I know didn't. that? Yeah, so I read that afterwards um, and said, here, I'll read it. Um... The screenplay is based on P.D. James's 1992 novel, The Children of Men. Um, 
but the screenplay has five accredited writers, it said. Um, yeah, anywho, so that's all I got for that. It's based on a book. Was there any, did you see anything of the meaning behind the name Children of Men? No, that's what I was wondering. I mean, I, cause I was wondering, that's why I Googled that. I initially did the Google because I wanted to get the reasoning behind it, but all I found is that it's based off the book. So maybe there's a reasoning behind the book, but, oh, so this is a quote from the, um, uh, it's either a quote from just the author about the topic or a quote from the actual book. I think it's just a, about like his overall idea of the writing the book, but he, the author of the book said, it was reasonable to struggle, to suffer, perhaps even to die for more just for a more just a more compassionate society, but not in a world with no future where all too soon, the very words, justice, compassion, society, struggle, evil would be unheard echoes on an empty air. Um, let's see. So when I just Google, why is it called children of men? According to Quran, the title of P.D. James's book, The Children of Men, is an allegory derived from a passage of scripture in the Bible. Um, I'm looking for the scripture now. Uh, in several translations of... Ex ex oh. oh, man, this is a hard word to say, but we're going to try it. In several trans translations of Exclusions, Exclusiosities, E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A-S-T-E-S, -E -E one of the wisdom books in the Old Testament... Featuring a tone of daunting skepticism, humanity is referred to as the sons of men. With its title, Children of Men alludes to both that tone of futility, uh, that word I can't say, repeats the famous statement that all is vanity in the relationship of men to their humanity in future generations, hitting that men and their policies are to blame for the barren wasteland that is Earth 2027. As that, again, that name of the Bible that I can't say and I probably should know how to say states the heart of the sons of men is full of evil and madness in the heart while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. So well, that last part's pretty heavy. Well, so dudes are evil. Well, welcome to the old Testament. <laughs> well, and so something else that I was just reading while you were saying all that was that the, in the book, the infertility, the infertility is in men, not women. So in the book, men can't you, get Alphonse. women pregnant. A woman wrote the book and a man directed the movie. <laughs> and so they're like, they no, changed it's your it. fault. No, it's your fault. <laughs> yeah. For the film, they changed it to that women were infertile. Um, no reason for that, though. It just says the film switches it, but never explains it. So there's just a random dude banging girls that doesn't know that he's fertile. <laughs> well i feel like everyone's just banging everyone that's a good point yeah so but i mean she oh, basically so said like i've banged like a lot of dudes yeah she's like i don't know who the father one. is yeah i thought the infertility would be with the women but well it i think it needs to be i like that he changed it because if you think about it it's like the reason i love this movie so much is that it I'm trying to think of a good way to put this, but I don't know. In the, in the biblical thinking, in the uh, in, through a Christian's eyes and their views, the most important role, and not role, but the most important thing both men and women can do in their life is to raise kids and raise a family. And so women being able to do that is seen as just an incredible gift that they have. 
And so if it's, if it's that, like, if they would have done this in the movie, like they did in the book, it's the guy who just randomly got a girl pregnant and it, the guy has no responsibility. That responsibility falls on the girl and she's the one to bear it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it, it makes more sense the way they did it in the movie. I do think it makes um, more sense in the movie. I think it makes a wait. So we're agreeing that in the book, men were infertile, but in the movie, women were infertile. Yes. But like, I mean, in the book, it sound, I'm, I'm assuming that in the book, it was all still like the, their goal was to get this woman to like safety. I think like it's still same characters. Like it's still a Theo as the main guy who's trying to help this girl key get her baby. So I think it's still like character wise the same, but it's just in the movie, they say that women or yeah, in the movie that they say women are infertile, but in the book they say it's because men are infertile. Yeah, I think I think it makes more sense if it's women are infertile because if there is a dude just out there randomly impregnating women, the course of this story is totally different. Whereas if women are and I mean they structured the story. I'm not just saying that men versus women. It's like the story was structured because Miriam was saying how over time she was having miscarriages and more miscarriages and more miscarriages and then no one was showing up. And it was this Hey, don't hit the of, table. There was this emphasis of uh, women weren't getting pregnant. So, um, and I think that kind of gets substantiated when Key's child is not a dude, but a, a girl. And I, and that Theo or the, not Theo, the, uh, I don't remember his name, the lead bad guy. That was uh, the actor's name. I can't pronounce Jacob. Oh, at the four. Yeah. Him. When, what was uh, his name? <laughs> I don't remember. Luke. In the movie, his name is Luke. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. When Luke was like, we have to like protect the boy. And he was like, it's a girl. And he was like, totally flabbergasted. I think that was kind of the, because. There's a purpose to that, right? Now she can go on and have kids as well. Yeah. yeah that's it kind was of like, like a the totally hope. different future. Because there was a different, there was a future with the baby being a boy, but there's a totally different future with the baby being a girl. So I, the thought that the infertility was with men doesn't doesn't gel, as far as the story goes. In my head, I don't know what how you guys feel about that. Yeah, I completely agree. Man, I, I think feel I'm, like an idiot. I think I'm kind of fine either way on it, I guess. But I think the whole point of it is just that, like in the book or in the movie, it's just like there was a miracle happened that a woman got pregnant with a kid in these 20 years um, where humans basically were infertile. And this is a new hope for future. So either way, I guess I'm kind of fine, but I think I do like it as far as I think the fact that like women are infertile and then she has a baby seems like more of a miracle to me. So I like it. Uh I did. I will say I got nervous about the plot going. Sorry, Jacob, you can totally fall, fall after this. I thought the plot was going to go south when she was like, or he said, who's the father? And she's like, I'm a virgin. I was like, oh, geez, here we go. This is going to go <laughs> shit. And then she was like, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was That'd like, be okay, crazy though, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I was like, oh, here we go. Some weird caveat. I feel like an idiot. Um, key, the reason her name is Key is because she's the key. She's the key to humanity. Whoa. Mm. Slow brain over here. <laughs> yeah. But Theo comes from Greek uh, and it means relating to God. Mm. Um, and so I kind of like how this article uh, or a little write up talks about it. He, um, he's weak and feeble and fleeing from violence, cowering and captured, running clumsily in flip flops. But as he gets his purpose, he gets more able and he, get, has he gets more stronger. And, yeah. I yeah, like that he, a lot. I do like that. I, I, um, like, it, he didn't strike me as a weak person in the beginning of the film, but he definitely struck me as a non confrontational. As a person that's given up. Yeah. Hope. Yeah. I had to double check. I'm pretty, I was pretty sure theology was the study of religion and God. And it is. Yes. So I think Theo is like a substrate of that or something. The the study of the nature of God and religious belief. Julianne said his name at some point. It was like Theolitis. Theopolis. Theopolis, is that it? No, I have no idea. I was making that. That's an artist. That I, <laughs> I think it was like, I think it was like Theolitis, and I was like, there has to be a meaning to that. There has to be a meaning to that. I couldn't find anybody that he was named after. I was like, there's got to be some Greek mythology, something. But Theo, as the actual name of the character, makes more sense. Not just that's, the. That's interesting to me because I feel like I well, I mean, the book is like seems like it's very based on religion as far as characters go and um, the name of the book, but. I feel like after watching the movie, like I didn't think like religion isn't something that came to my mind that much as far as, or just like, I mean, other than just like the fact that she's a woman that's having a baby and it kind of felt um, like a miracle, a uh, grace of God. Um, and Mike, I keep on saying Micah, Muka, what's her, the foreign lady at the end? Machata. Machata. <laughs> I hate you guys Anywho. so much. <laughs> She was like the it first like one, I think, ma- that was whatever religious. Whatever that tea is, matcha tea. Yeah, matcha. She was like the first one out of all the characters to me that like was religious. Marichka. Marichka. Um, and then when she, like ever, all of the other refugees that like seemed to have like blessed the child or like and um, it seemed more religion. Like there's like a sense of religion in the refugee camps. Well, and, I mean... Yes, for sure. But even when the but I don't even think they referenced here, it really. Yeah, when the soldiers here too. But like, I think for in the entire movie before that, though, I don't think religion's ever really referenced or even brought up. Or before they see the baby. Yeah. Oh, I disagree. Um, I, I think it's prevalent throughout. Even the stuff with like the animals kind of replacing uh, babies is very relatable to like the. Noah's Ark story type of stuff. Um, from that same article, there's a line about that. Um, the heart of the oh, that's not that right one. That's, the fate of the sons of men and the fate of beasts is the same. As one dies, so dies the other. For all is vanity. Um, so I, I think because at least I, I picked up on it about how like everybody had pets, and that's kind of that was kind of their substitute for kids. Yeah, I guess, yeah, like, I'm at- yeah, I see that a little bit, but it just, I don't think that anyone really, like, seemed like they were re- religious, like, heavily religious, or 
it came up at all. Maybe well, no, yeah, there's like I, hints but, of it. So no, no. It, and I, I think that's why I like it because it's not so heavy handed about like this being a very full of religious allegories in a very pro-life pro-child movie. Um, it's, it's, it's very subtle in that where the reason the characters that aren't the refugees aren't religious is because they're doing all these bad things and they've fallen from grace and they've fallen from religion because they don't have any like hope or faith. This. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I get, I kind of get that like loss of faith, loss of hope um, that is resurrected or brought back by this miracle child. That sounds like the most religious sentence I've said in a long time. I'll double, I'll, I'll trump you on that one. Cause I was, I remember hearing a, hearing or reading a quote about the difference between like, I don't know, some war quote about why you don't go to war when you hear a baby, baby's cry or something. So I looked up quotes about babies. And the first one that came up is <laughs> Google. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me quotes about babies. I can't wait for <laughs> to start getting targeted Instagram ads about babies. <laughs> Man, this is a, that's a whole nother tangent, but, um, the first one that came up is not the one I was thinking of, but I think is incredibly prevalent to this movie in our conversations is a baby is God's opinion that the world should go on. Whoa. I like that. Cause Anywho. they, well, I mean, one thing that did, sorry, one sec, that did make me think about this when I was talking about the reasoning behind the film um, and things like that. They're saying that while this infertility is never explained, um, they, they, reference that it's part of some of these causes and one of the causes is divine punishment <laughs> and so it's kind of like okay divine punishment with that quote of god sees that god sees a child as reason to go on mm-hmm. go together and it kind of flips on the other side for the last 18 years whatever the world was doing and i probably it probably divulged into whatever it was doing to a deeper level i mean it's probably the vaccine to the flu you could you could see that the world was falling apart was imploding um and it was probably imploding for the same causes that caused it in the first place or something and so maybe the turn i don't know i'm I'm just reading that quote kind of opened up some more avenues on how to interpret that's kind of the beauty of dystopian um, stories, whether they're novels or movies, is it just make brings you think. a lot of it brings a lot of what ifs into the onto the table, and you say, "Oh shit!" Yeah. What was that? So, what was the other quote that you googled from your baby quotes? No, I don't. I couldn't remember the oh that it the was war one. Yeah, I was I gonna say I was it. pretty intrigued by that because of um, how it would have played into that last scene where yeah. everybody stopped fighting the minute that they saw. Exactly. Heard, not even saw, heard a baby's cry. Exactly. I can't, I really wish I remembered the quote. Okay. Now I'm when, Googling it. What the hell? When I saw, or when that happened, when like the refugees and the uprising stopped like fighting and then the soldiers were like, Hey, 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 whoa, 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 like hold yourselves. And then they see the baby and then they stop fighting. Like the baby's cry brought the fight to a stop for a second or for a minute and that that was pretty 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 awesome um so i found a new another bible passage about the children men um this word i can say 
from Psalm 90. Um, this is the King James Version. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, return ye children of men. That's the quote from the Bible, the passage. Yep. Can you say it one more time? Yep. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, return ye children of men. Let me get the rest of the context for it. Man, that old English really just jacks up my brain. I think I understand it. It's kind of in, it was, I think when it was when they're in that elementary school and Miriam said, the world lost its ability to see itself through children's eyes or something. Do you remember that? I feel like that's from God or um, what's the city of God? Yeah. But I, they said some, there was a, there was a quote somewhere like that in this movie where it was something about um, the world changes when it can't see itself through children's eyes. And I think that plays in uh, plays into that. I mean, I don't assume they're related. That'd be crazy if they are, but I think there is that aspect of when you lose that sense of childish innocence or uh, coming into the world, there can be like a negative divulgence on yourself and maybe coming back to that. Hmm. It's maybe the beer talking, not sure. My mouth's just moving. My lips are moving. Well, I'm waiting to see if Jacob has the rest of the context of that. Yes. Lord, you have been our refuge from age to age. Before the mountains were born, before the earth and the world came to birth, from eternity to eternity, you are God. Oh, I'm reading from the Catholic version now. So um, one of the words has changed. You bring human beings to the dust by saying, return, children of Adam, children of men. A thousand years are to you like a yesterday which has passed, like a watch of the night. You flood them with sleep in the morning. They will be growing like grass. In the morning it is blossoming and growing, by evening it is withered and dry. For we have been destroyed by your wrath, dismayed by your anger. You have taken note of our guilty deeds, our secrets in the full light of your presence. All all our days pass under your wrath, all our lives are over like a sigh. The span of our life is, holy crap, is 70 years, 80 for those who are strong. But their whole extent is anxiety and trouble. They are over in a moment and we are gone. Who feels the power of your anger or who that fears you your wrath teach us to count up the days that are ours and we shall come to the heart of wisdom come back yahweh how long must we wait take pity on your servants each morning fill us with your faithful love we shall sing and be happy all our days let our joy be as long as the time that you afflicted us the years when we experienced disaster show your servants the deeds you do let their children enjoy your splendor may the sweetness of the lord be upon us to confirm the work we have done Whoa, that was a lot. <laughs> that was a whole chapter. <laughs> um, but I think what it's saying How do you interpret that? Is, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I don't know if this is actually what the author took. I kind of based this movie around, but it kind of sounds like it about how give us hope and let our joy be as long as our suffering has been. Um, and this is kind of tricky because this is Old Testament, right? So as a Catholic, I, I also bring it to Jesus with this. And it's a lot of, to me, a lot of the Old Testament is like, we're suffering now for our suffering to end once Jesus comes and forgives our sins and that type of thing. So I think like the baby's definitely an allegory to Jesus in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even the joke about a virgin birth. No doubt. So yeah. I, I, the whole like, teach us to count up the days that are, ours is we shall come to the heart of wisdom is kind of saying, and then 
Let our joy be as long as the time that you have afflicted us, the years when we experienced disaster. Show us your servants the deeds you do. Let their children enjoy our splendor. So that's talking about let us suffer for the next generation to enjoy the kingdom of heaven type of thing. Um, And so you can kind of relate that to the movie about while these people are suffering on this journey to save humanity, they're suffering to save humanity. You know what I mean? Yep. And that the the miracle baby will spring anew. A little bit, because I know we're getting close to it. A little bit that I thought was cool on the production side. The, uh, well, what's his name? Alfonso Cuaron. How do you say his name? Cuaron? Mm-hmm. Um, he chose not to read P.D. James's novel um, so that he wouldn't have any second thoughts or he wouldn't second guess himself on or second guess on the directing and the um, screenplay, which I thought that was pretty interesting because he was hand. He wasn't he didn't write the um, it said that it was. Yeah, it was written by several different people. Um, I think he had kind of some say in it, but yeah, he chose not to read the book. So they probably so he wrote didn't. the story and then he came in and changed what he wanted. Yeah, they read the books. It said that somebody read the book and then the adaptation was originally written by Paul Chart and later rewritten by Mark Fergus and Hawk Otsby. Um, and then they brought director Alfonso Cuaron on board and him and Jimothy, or Timothy Sexton began rewriting the script um, and afraid that he start afraid that he would start second guessing things. He chose not to read the original novel. Um, and then also Harry Potter and he, like he was handed this, but he put it on the shelf. He put it on the back burner because he chose to do Harry Potter and the prisoner of Azkaban, um, and then go back to it. And anywho, the other thing that was kind of cool that I saw is that a clockwork orange was one of the inspirations for the futuristic yet battered, um, scenery of 2027 London. I can totally see that. Yeah. I could see and that I, for sure. Where it's a futuristic, but technology hasn't done anything crazy. Yeah. And it's, and it's and, still got a lot of like um, despair and I don't know, yeah, just like, tough shit happening. Before we hop back on the Zoom, um, I mean, my, the best film critic of all time, Roger Ebert, I don't know how much of, his stuff you guys have read, but I would highly recommend any movie you watch to see if there's a Roger Ebert write up about it. He's dead now, but um, he, that, that's what, he, that was his favorite thing about it. It was just kind of the setting and how um, he was able to buy in so easily that this was a real place, that this wasn't some fake set and whatnot, that it, it really looked real and let the audience kind of be taken by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that is a hard thing to like about most sci-fi and future movies is they take some futuristic twist or uh, guess at what technology will advance at that time. And I like how pretty much the only change this movie made to the future is that the cars look different outside of that. I mean... Well, and even like it's relatively the same. Like the, there were like some, uh, like standing billboards or like those signs outside of the bar that were like a digital screen. Yeah, I mean we're probably gonna have that within the. Oh year. yeah, <laughs> I mean there's probably places that Times Square is gonna be that in like a year or two. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, this is a, something else that was interesting. While Kieran was preparing the film, the London bombings occurred. 
And so they, and then they ended up, but he decided not to change the location um, outside to be outside of London. Um, and because there's so many of these shots that they were just like, we need this to be in London. Um, but the, that first, they shot that first scene with the bomb that goes yeah. off uh-huh. a month after the London bombings happened actually in real life. So, oof. <laughs> yeah, that's tough timing. The timing. Yeah. Um, but, and then it's just, this is now just talking about, uh, the sets and how they made him look really, he said, <laughs> Alfonso Cuaron said that he would they'd like do up the crew to make it look all run down and then he said he need he told the crew to let's make it more Mexican in other words we'd look at the location and say yes but in Mexico there'd be this and this and it was about making the place look run down it was about poverty it was their quote that's racist <laughs> <laughs> he's from Mexico Alfonso Cuaron yeah, you're racist how <laughs> oh, funny not <laughs> there were aspect there were parts of this movie that were funnier than i thought they would be they mostly came from michael kane's character but i it is it's good when you're watching a serious movie where it can make you laugh in genuine situations my contrast to this would be like marvel movies when marvel movies will just randomly like try to stab a joke in the middle of a serious situation you're like shut up but in this movie it was like the attempted use of comedy to like try and lighten the mood in a very intense like scenario situation. I liked. I, I liked the line uh, from Key when, like, right before everybody like noticed or we saw that everybody noticed the baby, and he's like, "How's the baby?" She's like, "Annoyed." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. After the bomb went off and they fell down, and <laughs> baby's annoyed. Yeah. All right, this is one of the last things that I got, and this is my boom to you guys from earlier. So it's talking about the single shot sequences. Um, there are multiple. Yeah, but it says that the longest of these are these three, which we we talked about one of them, which was the ambush on the country roads, which is the flaming car. Mm-hmm. That one was the second longest. It was 247 seconds long. So it says, yeah, a little over four minutes, which seems so long. Um, and then the But third it didn't long- feel that long. Quick. No, it didn't feel that long. But when you like, that's, say that's that impressive. this one yeah. scene, this one shot was four minutes, that that's sounds a, like a really long time. Because it probably felt like a minute or two. Um, the third longest that it has listed here is the shot in which Key was giving birth, um, which is probably them walking up this, like when they enter the room, I assume, to when like the baby's delivered. So that it said was a little, that was like three minutes and 20 seconds long. That's probably when they got off the bus to when the baby was born. And then it says that the longest one, though, is the scene in which Theo is captured by the fishes, escapes, and runs down a street and through a building in the middle of a raging battle to get Key back. So it was that scene where they shot the guy and then he, like, yeah, goes and ditches Macha and then runs to the building while they're blowing it up. That one was 308 or 378 seconds long. So it was six minutes and 18 seconds. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. That's the scene we were. Yeah, okay. About. That's what I thought you were talking about. But then later, you, I thought you changed it to be like the very last one where they were walking up to the boat, and I was like, "Oh so no, I lost you there." Yeah. No, okay. No. Cool. It was before, like when when they left the building, like that yeah. little safe house. Yes. Yeah, yeah. To when everybody sees the baby, and then there's a cut once it cuts to everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that yeah. was the longest one, little over six minutes. So we were talking about the same one earlier. 
That's pretty insane. So between those three one cuts, that took up what? Like a 15th, a 20th of the movie? Six plus four plus three plus some extra seconds. That's like 14 or 15 minutes of an hour and 50 minute movie. Well, it's just kind of crazy. And it says that these weren't actually all done in one shot, like we were talking about earlier. But uh, um, it, it, I mean, it gives off the illusion of the single shot for that long. But I did read a stat that was saying about blockbuster movies, the longest or like the average length of a scene of a blockbuster movie is like 20 to 30 seconds long, which I thought is crazy. So when you have movies like this that have some single shot looking scenes, now was that four to six that minutes created before or after 1917? Because that's going to. Yeah, no, it, before that. <laughs> bump that number up. Yeah. I will say I thought this was more well done than 1917. 1917 was intriguing for the first like 30 minutes, but it was almost overdone for the rest of the movie. And I was annoyed with the way they were doing the one shot. Scene. 1917 yeah, was really impressive, but I, I did I, enjoy I, this I'm, movie overall more. I'm a bad person to ask about 1917 because I loved it because I saw it in the theater in an IMAX screen. So that would be uh, cool. It was, yeah. I think awesome it was the to watch. Yeah. It was the time aspect of 1917 that threw me off was like, he'd be running through a field and then it was like a day later and he was running into a city that was the French city like that. The, the, it was the one. Scene. How he kind of went through 24 hours of a day, but yeah. it was all there supposed was to be a weird single shot time aspect that they didn't really address well in 1917 and where I think they overused the one shot. Whereas I've also only one, seen it once and I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay. It, it was, just, yeah, it's just I like, it feels you. like it goes from morning and then it, later in the movie, it's like yeah, nighttime again. Like and then it's like running, morning again. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, but, are you trying, it's like a fast forward in real time. It's a really weird effect that they tried to do, but yeah. I think that this was more like it was, this one was a one shot that made you feel like you were following Theo walking through the bus of refugees getting shot at by an army. Like that was pretty intense and insane. The film debuted at number one in the UK with 2.4 million. Um, I'm assuming that's in the first weekend. It debuted at, or in a limited release in 16 theaters in the US um, about a month later, a couple months later. As of February 2008, so a year and a half later, Children of Men had grossed 70 million worldwide with 35 million coming from the US. What's crazy is that the budget was 76 million, so it didn't even make up its budget. After a year and a half. <laughs> that's I mean, crazy. it, it probably thing. more has, like, or has by now, but yeah. But that's it crazy. It makes gross. It only, I missed, it only grossed 70 million in a year and a half. Yeah. It grossed 70 million in, yeah, as of February 2008, and it came in the fall of 2006. That's or it was shame. released then. Yeah, kind of a snub. Got snubbed. I love those kinds of movies, though. Like another movie like that, that is one of my favorite movies of all time is Prestige, or of all time, is pres- of, of all time is Prestige by Christopher the Nolan. The Prestige, yeah. That was the same story, like pretty big budget, not good gross, incredible Phenomenal movie. movie. Probably, yeah. the, I think, the most underrated movie of all time. But I think that that, that is I think I gave that movie a 99 time. or 98. Yeah. 
for our listeners, that is an incredible movie. If you haven't seen The Prestige, go watch this and then watch The Prestige. All right, we're ready to get into some scores. All right, from the aggregators, a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, and an 84% on Metacritic. Um, I love this movie. I can go first. I got my score down. Um, anytime you can weave in this religious and Christian allegory, it's it's just right up my aisle. Um, I'm giving it a 96. I think it's a great movie. Wow. Um, it's that five out of five stars. Um the runtime is great under two hours. The one shots are awesome and really bring the movie up. And I, we didn't really talk about the ending all that much, but I loved it. I, I loved how we left it off at the boat. We hear, hear children laughing and that's all we get. Speaking of the ending real quick. Yeah, that was a fantastic ending and I almost want to see a sequel. I don't like, I don't want a sequel to ruin it. And I kind of like the idea of no, leaving no, it no, as no, is, no, dumb, but it, dumb, it leaves the dumb, room dumb, for take it. it down. Take, take it back, back right now. Take it, take take it right back. Now. Take it back. I'm going to go oh make a God. sequel. I'm going to make it my life goal. To Some make random it. Hollywood person just heard you say that in real time. And they're like, holy shit, we need to push it now. Push it, push it, push it. I'm going to see. I'm going to make a sequel and I'm going to call it women of children. Yeah, I was gonna say it's probably the sequel's probably gonna be called Men of Children. Yeah, a, but except for a it's a woman up. that is the <laughs> Or is it <laughs> except for I'm gonna does... swap it in the sequel and I'm gonna say, just kidding, we they were wrong. It's actually a boy that was born. It was... Oh, that's the joke I was gonna make. I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. the the daughter has a son then, and that movie that they make about the son is called Boys to Men about him growing up. Ah, <laughs> and then the sequel to that is Stand by Me, because then see you get boys two men, you get all the cheesy Hollywood titles you can get in there, and then ten right, years later they the soundtrack. The soundtrack is by Boys to Men, and then ten year ten years later it's women's women and boys eight, and it's basically a Fast and Furious franchise, and it's horrible. Or we turn it into Oceans and just start giving it other numbers. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Anywho, um, but I did like the ending a lot. How he kind of perfectly got her there, gave her this reassurance and comforted her, and then passed, and then they hope was there with the tomorrow boat. Um, yeah, anywho, I got my score. I really, really like this film. Um, runtime, like you said, was absolutely incredible. It was thrilling, it kept your attention the entire way. It was under two hours. I love everything about that. Um, I love all the single shots. Very impressive. Very well done. Um, I'm just stuck on my score. I, you know, I'm right in between these two numbers. And <laughs> that sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> I think <laughs> this review is almost as long as the movie. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's going to suck to edit. I, uh, I'm going to have to go with a 90. I love this film. It was great. Loved it. Would watch, would recommend. What were you stuck between? 85 and 90. 85 and 90. That's surprising. I My number is, unfortunately, Jacob, at 96 as well. I think it crept into the five out of five because it was shot so well. I can't remember a movie I've definitely seen in this whole podcast review thing but also in a long time that was just so captivating on how well it was shot. But I agree. I think the end, 
it was another one of those where kind of halfway through the movie, I was like, man, my score is going to hundred percent depend on how this movie ends because sci-fi movies and dystopian movies tend to have either really cheesy or really cheesy endings or an attempt at a unique ending that ends up just being really bad. And I think that this one was just simple and at the same time appropriate to the story. Acting was well done. Music was score was fine. The cinematography was incredible. 96 out of a hundred. I think it's a week five out of five stars for me. I know we hit you with this question all the time, Jacob, but was it up for anything awards wise? Fuck balls. <laughs> I think that you'd be prepared for this kind of question yeah. at this point. Well, we, I thought we'd got past it. <laughs> um, Never passed. Yes. It. I'm not going to tell you the winners though. Nominated for best writing, nominated for best achievement in cinematography and nominated for best achievement in film editing. Um, editing was a winner. What? It, it, won, it won editing. Did you no. say that there was a winner? It was nominated for these three. If it was a winner, I'd have said the winner. I oh, said I'm I not going to tell I... you who won it because I'm not looking that up. Oh, I thought you were yeah. saying I'm not going to tell you who won it because you're going to have us guess or like right. which one no. you won. I'll look it up. <laughs> I hate you guys. See, that's how I get them to just get us the winners. Just open your ears and listen. I'm going to say, though, that they won editing. I was, they didn't. They it were... was nominated. I already told you. It was, those were just nominations. It did not win anything. It did not win anything? No. That's what I said. I thought you said you were looking up the winner. I am. But IMDb doesn't tell me who won the category. It just tells me that it was nominated for it. But it, it would have won, told you. If it it would have told me won. that it won. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, you're fine now. Everything Brother, checks out now. We don't need to know, Jacob. No, too late. I'm already looking. <laughs> I've lost interest. I know. I don't care. I don't really give a <laughs> shit. Um, Pan's it's Labyrinth nice. one, cinematography. Wow. Um, That's an all-time favorite. Never seen it. It's fine. Oh my god. The Departed one, editing. Oh fucker. Wow. Stacked year. Wow. The Departed one best picture. That was 2006. That seems recent for The Departed. I was going to say that seems recent for Pans. No, Pans definitely. I remember um, I was supposed to go see that movie and then I watched the trailer and I was like, I I was too scared to see the movie. So I went and watched something else while everyone else saw Pans Labyrinth. Where, where was the third one? Oh, cinematography. Oh, did I already say all three? It was writing. Yeah. Oh, writing was the other one. Yeah. Oh, writing was the other one. Oh, yeah. thank you. Writing, writing, writing. I'm almost there. I promise. Um, the Departed. Damn, Departed just swept. You know what was also nominated for writing? Borat Cultural Learnings of America for Make Benefit Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what a waste of time. Uh, very nice. That's why the Academy Awards are just a bunch of bullshit. I like. All right. All right. That's going to be an average score of 94. And that's going to do it for today. If you have thoughts or questions, you can shoot us an email at gt4ampodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at gt4gt.movies. We're also on Twitter at gt4gt underscore movies. We would love for you to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen on, especially Apple Podcasts. Just make sure they're all five stars. 
And if you don't, I'm going to pass you that strawberry cough, baby. <laughs> I'm going to make you infertile. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Just the man bomb. Just kidding. You probably already did that to yourself if you got vaccinated. <laughs> no. I'm good, baby. All right. We'll I'll catch you next week. When you come to the end of the line with a buddy who is more than a brother and a little less than a wife, getting blind drunk together is really the only way to say farewell. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.